Good morning, Grace 412 podcast listeners. We are jumping back into Ephesians chapter 2 today. We've been on life group break, and so we don't have an actual series going, but instead we're encouraging all the students, uh, all those listening to the podcast, uh, all those following us on social media to study through the book of Ephesians, and we're discussing that in our group chats and um, through different forms. And so just encouraging one another to uh, study out a little bit more the doctrine of salvation, the the finished work of Jesus, and what that means for us today as we look at the book of Ephesians. And so uh, we're in chapter 2 this morning as we unpack a little bit what it is that Uh, God had to say through Paul to the church of Ephesus. And so Ephesians chapter 2, remember this is uh, a bit unrehearsed and a bit more uh, organic as we study through this. And so uh, hopefully this still comes off as clear and hopefully this will still be a help to you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 it says, And you hath he quickened together who were dead in trespasses and in sins. And so uh, right off the bat, he uses this strong language. He says, and you, uh, almost like that series we were in uh, just last month, as for you, Timothy, what are you going to do? But you look at that statement and you, you were dead in sin and he's quickened you together. And you think about what that means in context of, of chapter one, you go back to chapter one, right? And it says, hey, through Christ. He has shown God's exceeding greatness and power to us who believe. Uh, He has, um, through Christ, uh, been placed above all principality and power and might and dominion. Jesus is the name above every name, not only in this world, but the world that's to come. He's put all things under his feet. He's gave him to be the head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth it all. And so he says that to end chapter one. And then he says, and now you, you are a part of that. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins, but now he's, he's made you alive in Christ. He's quickened you together. He's brought you together. And then he, he goes on to explain that in verse two, he says, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the powers of the air, the spirit that worketh now in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind, were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. He says, hey, we were lost, we were broken, we were fallen. But then verse four, he says, but God, who was rich in mercy for his great love wherein hath loved us. I love that it says verse one, and you, you were dead, but God who is rich in mercy. We go on to read in verse five, he says, even when we were dead in our sins, has he quickened us together with Christ by grace are you saved and hath raised us up and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches of his greatness Uh, of his grace in kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. This is the gospel, right? This is the whole purpose for which we were made created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained. The the whole purpose of this, of, of, of our salvation, of the work of Christ, of our redemption, is that forever we will glory in the God of grace and in his power 
and love toward us and his mercy toward us through Christ Jesus. That's the entire purpose of our existence, the entire purpose of our lives, the entire reason that we've been bought back. He goes on to explain uh, what that means, um, not just from the future standpoint, but from the past standpoint. So you go to verse 11 and it says, wherefore remember uh, that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, all called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, he says, But now in Christ you who were sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So he, he brings up this idea that in the times past, hey, we were the uncircumcision. We were uh, apart. This this idea that, that Israel was God's chosen people. They were uh, those who had chosen to keep his laws and keep his covenants and uh, be a part of uh, his family. Uh, they were an Old Testament representation of God's favor on those who kept God's covenant, who kept God's promises, who kept God's law. But then remember Jesus, before he died, he said, hey, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. You, as often you, as you drink this, remember me. Uh, he says, I'm doing a, behold, I'm doing a new thing in you. Remember chapter 1 and verse 10, uh, Paul said, hey, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in all one in one all things in Christ. So there's this idea that because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we have been brought close. We have been made a part of the family of God. He says, now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off are now made nigh. You're brought close by the family of God. He says, you were aliens of the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenant of promise. You had no hope without God in the world, verse 12. But he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you've been brought close. You've been made a part of the family of God. Why? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus that makes it all possible. He goes on to explain even more, verse 14. He says, but he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you who were far off, and to them that were nigh, for through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. He said, hey, remember Israel, they were close, you were far off, they kept the law of commandments contained in the ordinance. He says, and even then there was a wall separating them still from the presence of God. But he says, Jesus came to make peace. He came to reconcile us both unto God in one body. How? By the cross. Remember, they had to sacrifice animals because life was the cost of sin. It was all that we had to offer was life, right? That's why the wages of sin is death. God created all. So how could we repay him for the wrong that we had done against his creation if not for life to be 
given life to be sacrificed and so they had these animal sacrifices they had bloodshed in order to keep these commands to keep these laws that were impossible to keep so that it would point them to their need of a savior and then jesus comes one sacrifice one perfect atonement once and for all and it says he broke down the partition that separated us from god and the partition that separated us from one another and it says he had he he came to make peace that he might reconcile us unto god by the body uh by the cross he has slain the enmity the the uh, judgment the anger the wrath of god has been satisfied in christ and so he goes on in verse 19, and he says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. He says, As Israel was God's chosen people, you have been welcomed into the family of God through Christ Jesus. He says, You're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. He says, you're no longer a stranger, you're no longer a slave, you're a son, you're a daughter. And we are, he says, building upon the foundation of the apostles and of the prophets, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, the foundation of it all. And so that's a lot of doctrine, a lot of uh, theology thrown in here uh, in the book of Ephesians as Paul unpacks uh, what salvation looks like to the church at Ephesus. Uh, but just by practical application, here's, here's four quick things. The first one is this. We have to recognize who we are in Christ. That we have been called, we who are afar off, we who are separated because of sin, because of our brokenness, have been uh, called into relationship with God through Christ. He wants to invest in us. So our response is then that we would invest in the relationship, that we would seek to know him more deeply, to love him uh, more genuinely, to serve him with passion and excitement. Recognize who we are in Christ. The second one is to acknowledge our need for unity. This whole chapter talks about how we have been made one in Christ, that, that he has brought us together. He has given us a mission that goes beyond our differences. Uh, if, if we are not doing this together, we're missing the point. Uh, we have to acknowledge our need for unity. Uh, we have to maintain a desire to learn and grow. Uh, throughout this whole chapter, he talks about uh, how we've been saved in order to grow in grace, that we've been his workmanship, that we were created by God for good works, that we've been called to take a part in the mission that God has for us. We've, we've been saved for a purpose. We, we've been saved for a reason. Our, our desire should be to continue to learn and continue to grow. Uh, that purpose, the main purpose, is to make much of Jesus. And so that's the last thing, that we would emphasize and elevate Jesus above everything else. I love that at the end it says uh, we're building on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. We're, we're always growing. We're always learning, right? Uh, we're building on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. But then it says, hey, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Uh, we're always learning and we're always growing, but we have to understand that in Jesus, we have all that we need. Through Jesus, we know all that we need to know about who God is. He is the complete manifestation of God in the flesh. 
Uh, he says, don't think that I've come to destroy the law, but I've come to fulfill it. He is prophet, priest, and king. Let us always only ever make our lives about helping people to find and follow Jesus, about we ourselves taking up our cross and following Jesus. If we make our lives all about who Jesus is and the work that he has done, that's when we'll have a eternally successful Christian life. And that's the most practical application that we can find. Emphasize and elevate Jesus above all else. He is the foundation. He is the cornerstone for our lives. And so we're going to continue to study through Ephesians. It's a not really an easy study, but one that we can uh, learn both doctrinally and practically from. And so we'll pick up in chapter 3 next week. Let me know if you have any questions or if there's things that uh, are said that help out or that you want to discuss a little bit further. We can talk about it uh, through text, through social media, through the group message. We'd love to continue the conversation beyond just this podcast. So let's do that and we'll talk soon. Mm-hmm.